What's an M. Night? M. Night Shyamalan, the Indian filmmaker from Philly. Oh my God, this dude's a big deal. He you always puts I mean? some like awesome twist at the end of his movies to trick the audience. Oh yeah, yeah, like like in The Sixth Sense, you find out that the dude um, in that hairpiece the whole time, that's Bruce Willis the whole movie. That's not the twist. That's not the twist of that movie. That wasn't the twist. No. Hello and welcome to the M Night Shift, the podcast uh, dedicated to reviewing the career of filmmaker M Night Shyamalan. I'm AJ Gonzalez, a movie blogger and video store clerk, and I'm Brian Connolly, the same thing but not a blogger. I don't even know what that means. Uh, it means I I have a I write about movies on a blog. What's a blog? <laughs> Cinema then and now blogspot.com. No, what is a blog? It's a it's a web log. Oh, if you will. yes. When did they start shortening it from web log to blog? Well, like probably around the time we uh, stopped calling the internet the web or the net <laughs> or the information superhighway. Oh, I forgot about that one. Remember when the internet was you had to put a CD in your computer yeah. and you had to run this thing and it made this awful sound. Man. Those were the days. It'll be that'll be like Those when you see a days. movie where people are like listening to some show on the radio, and you're like, "What is this <laughs> all about?" It'll be like when they make a movie about the '90s from like 30 years from now. It'll be like, "Why does this weird? You have to plug it in, and what? What is all this shit? <laughs> what are these plastic things? <laughs> Discs?" And I'd like to go on an even further tangent. Uh, do you remember Cinemania, the IMDb that was a CD-ROM before IMDb? What? No. There's a CD-ROM that's called Cinemania that you put in your computer, and it has like reviews of every movie. You know, not every movie ever made, but they said it was. But it was mostly like from Roger Ebert and other people. But then they also had like, whoa, you could watch like videos, clips from some of these movies, or hear audio, or read a snippet of dialogue. And that was the first thing I got when I got my first computer was Cinemania. I had Blockbuster movie CD ROM encyclopedia, which is more or less the same thing. Was there videos on it? There were maybe some clips on there, but uh, you know, it's just the same thing, but with the Blockbuster logo <laughs> on every page. <laughs> Cinemania had a clip from Blue Velvet, and I think this was when I was like twelve. So watching a clip from Blue Velvet, Blue Velvet when I was 12 was very exciting. Oh. Even though it was just the beginning where the guy dies and you just see the bugs underneath the grass, but I knew that, that was a movie that I was not allowed to see yet. It was very thrilling to watch a minute of it. Awesome. Now, the reason why we're rambling and on tangents is because this will probably be our shortest episode. We're trying to get your money's worth, money's worth out of this, but who knows, maybe we can stretch it out to be our longest episode ever. Hopefully not. There's a lot uh, of mythology <laughs> around Entourage. Yeah, so we're reviewing an episode of Entourage in which M. Night Shyamalan has a cameo, and the plot, part of the plot, revolves around M. Night. Uh, so whose turn is it to I explain the plot? I believe it's my turn. Oh, but first, let's talk about this beautiful scotch yes. that we're drinking. So... I can't remember if we've had this one or not because a lot of these names are the same, but this is Loch Lomond Blended Scotch Whiskey. I don't think we've had this, but this is now, what, our ninth scotch? Tenth scotch? Uh, tenth, I think. So it's like, who can keep track of these things? Uh, it's got a beautiful picture of, of a deer with its yeah, antlers. A stag, a stag, yes. It says it's reserve. It's a reserve. A premium Highland blend married in recharred oak casks. 
Lock Lemon Distillery, distilled, blended, and bottled in Scotland. 40% alcohol. And that's it. There's no story. Sometimes we have a story. This one is just the story of how uh, pregnant women are in a lot of trouble if they drink the scotch. That's the Don't only story on the, on the back. Don't do it. Don't do that. Um, Don't look at the sun during an <laughs> eclipse. Oh, yeah. Today we saw the eclipse. That was exciting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if M. Night Shyamalan saw the eclipse. Ooh. I bet he did. And uh, let's see. In Philadelphia, what sort of view did they get? Uh, is that sort of in the would, area of getting a much better one? No, or is that too they would have had about the same as us, the same coverage as we did here in fabulous Austin, Texas, home of Vulcan Video. If not less, because uh, it was just like from Oregon on down diagonally through like South Carolina and uh, Georgia. So we we were lucky to see a little bit of it. It was like sixty six percent covered yeah. in Texas, so it it made the sun look like a crescent moon. But don't worry, twenty twenty four. Austin's going to get the full total yeah, eclipse. So. We will be under totality yeah. in 2024. In many other ways, probably also. You never know. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Entourage, this episode. So, let's just, before we get into the plot of this episode, AJ, what the fuck is Entourage? <laughs> I've never seen this show. I heard about it. I assumed it was like the male fantasy equivalent of sex. In the city, you sex and it. the city, sex in the city. Which one is it? Sex, and the city, sex and the. A lot of people call it sex in the city, sex and, and the, city. the city. So entourage. As far as let me tell you what I think it's about okay, based okay. on this one episode, and you can you've seen the whole thing, correct? Yes, in its entirety, including the movie. Well, and so this is all. This is my first time. I'm a first timer on this one. So I'm guessing. It's like you got these. You got this group of dudes. You got this guy who's like a, a an actor, a Hollywood actor. You got his older wise guy brother, and these all are very East Coast type guys. Yep. Like yep. they feel kind of New York, Boston, something like that. From uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. You have this kind of chubby guy who I'm guessing is like their supplier of weed, perhaps. Like he's just like uh, has a half beard. Yeah. His he, name is Turtle. He kind of looks like a turtle. He's the the aficionado of weed. Uh, I, many, I just guessed that. I didn't. That wasn't even in this episode. There's I many episodes was, focusing around that. He gave me a weed guy vibe. Uh, he had that kind of pot weight that one yeah. sometimes gets when they smoke too much pot. I heard that's a thing. I don't know. I don't smoke pot. Uh, and then you have his manager, and then you have his agent, mm-hmm. played by Jeremy Piven. Yep. And so they kind of are this entourage of guys, and I'm guessing that he, the actor became famous, and then all these dudes moved out there after he got famous, and now they're just like hanging out. With this this famous guy just going to bars and like hitting on chicks, and then that's it. Basically, and then, and then I'm assuming that there's constant cameos from famous people and directors there because are. you're filming in Hollywood. So, it's, is there what other directors other than M Night are in this show? It's the show starts out good, and I will say that the first two, maybe two and a half seasons of this show, are pretty good. I uh, I like them, and then it got progressively not good and then it became like laughable and then it kept going that's the consensus and then it got from everybody everybody says that but so you went from having uh like in season two uh Vinny chase played by adrian grenier gets cast as aquaman in the aquaman movie which is like oh what's the most ridiculous movie that would only exist in this uh tv show about fake movies aquaman they would never make an aquaman no. movie uh, but that movie was directed by James Cameron, 
And James Cameron had a like multi-episode oh, wow. cameo. It's really good. Uh, Martin Scorsese and Gus Van Sant show up as themselves. Okay. Gus Van Sant does like some acting. He's has Ooh. some some substantial scenes. That's interesting um, because Cameron and Scorsese both in the movie The Muse, the Ever Brooks movie. And uh, Gus Van Sant in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. So they have acted before this. And then uh, the cameos got not not as exciting. I heard a Sasha Gray shows up. Sasha Gray shows up. The Dice Man. The Dice Man shows up for the final season and is, when I heard that, I was like, oh man, like, like the Dice Man is all they can get. But he was actually he was actually an all right element to the show, and it, but this was before the Dice Man really wowed us. We're like, oh shit, he can he can really act with uh, his performance in Blue Jasmine, for which he should have gotten an Oscar nomination for at least. I, I think he was probably hoping it. What's weird is since that movie, to add another tangent, since we got to kill time, since this is going to be very short. Uh, he didn't get more roles from that. Like yeah. the Dice Man, I think is a good actor. I've actually personally have always loved the Dice Man. I love Fort Fairline. I love Brain Smasher. I love Story. <laughs> and I subscribe to the whole catalog of Andrew Dice Clay uh, films. Okay, so that so there's that. So was my analysis correct? Is this uh, really what yeah. the show all is? Like, does yeah, it go so, anywhere beyond that? Is that pretty much? No, it? half of the show is them just like living the life. Being surrounded by beautiful women, getting all like the finest weed, and going to parties, and having like a meet cute with Anna Ferris at uh, for one season. I like her. Uh, yeah, she plays herself. And in Entourage, it's always difficult. Someone shows up, and you never know: are they playing? Is George Segal playing himself, or is he playing a character? He plays a character. Is Scott Kahn himself, or he? No, he's a character. Okay. <laughs> And from my... Get- Mark Cuban shows up. Oh, he's himself. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that was it. They went from James Cameron to Mark Cuban. Yeah, it's called a downward spiral. Yeah. <laughs> and from what I could guess from this one... I mean, this is a... Sh- I also was amazed that it was just a short show. It's like 25 minutes. Yeah. You're in, you're out. It's just kind of like a breezy... It feels very breezy. Yeah. Am I correct in that the best character is Kevin Dillon? You are right? absolutely like, right? like, correct. Like, in that one episode, you're like, I like him... I only like him, you know, like you're watching, like, you're the guy I like. I hope that you're the best part of the show. If I chose to watch the whole thing, I'm guessing that he's the best part of the whole yes, show. Yes, he is the best part of the show. He's the best uh, actor, the best character. The Kevin Dillon really commits to the neurosis that is Johnny Drama, Vinny <laughs> Chase's older brother. It's a great name. Yeah. And the, sh- and the show is based loosely on Mark Wahlberg's life and his entourage. Yeah. So I'm guessing is Donnie Drama, or Johnny's Drama supposed to be a Donnie Wahlberg? I To tie into the Shyamalan world a bit there? I suppose I, I never really delved into the, uh, the behind the curtain of entourage. I never listened to the commentaries on the DVDs. Does Mark Wahlberg show up in the show at all? Uh, eventually he does. Yeah. As himself? Yeah. How does that work? That's like weird because it shows about him, but then he's in there as himself, but someone else is playing. He, uh, you know, with all due respect to Mr. Wahlberg, who's a much larger man than I am, far more muscly bulk. Uh, it kind of he kind of comes off like uh, the Andy Samberg uh, impression on Saturday Night Live <laughs> when he'd show up and just be like, like, oh hey, you want to be in the Entourage movie? <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Also, tonight, name is Shemalan, Mark Wahlberg, star of The Happening, Happening, which we'll review next month. I wonder if when this was made, was The Happening deal already in action? Was Mark Wahlberg already signed to do it? And that's how we got Shemalan to be in this. Yeah, this this episode is 2007. It's season four, episode four. And The Happening Happening was 2008. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet maybe this contract was signed. He's like, hey, you know, before we film the thing, or maybe they just started filming. Do a little cameo on my show, man. That, that's my worst Mark Wahlberg impression. <laughs> hey, man, come come do a cameo on my show. It's <laughs> almost like a Mike Tyson impression. <laughs> no, Mike Tyson, you were like, hey, man, come do a cameo on my show. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so, so half of the show is the, the Hollywood uh, high roller fantasy mm-hmm. lifestyle. The other yeah. half is about marginally about making movies and behind the scenes stuff of making movies, which is what I love. I love stuff about making movies. I was a film major in college. So watching Entourage was like, uh, was like George and Lenny talking about the rabbits. <laughs> like, Oh, someday this could be, you know, this could be us. Do you think uh, this show will age? Well, do you think people will watch it I, or is it of its time? I think it's really of its time, not just because of cameos and the kinds of movies they were making, but uh, the sensibilities of the show. It like, feels really broy. Like the episode we watched, which is 2007, already felt a little dated with some yeah. of its weird transphobia and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like there's stuff like that. It's <laughs> just like some uh, stuff that's like. Wouldn't hold on today in the thing, maybe. Yeah, that's not directly, it's not meant to be transphobic or other stuff it's not meant to be homophobic in a direct insulting way yeah it's just hey making a joke like this like hey like we're hey we're not homophobes we're just joking around you know yeah. and you're like yeah okay I, I get it and now in 2017 you're like don't don't joke like that man yeah. like find, find <laughs> yeah. something else to make a joke about exactly but uh okay so let's get into the plot of this episode whose turn is it uh, it's my turn all right do all right. it so this episode is called Sorry Harvey. So the gang has just finished making Medellin, or Medellin, which is a movie about Pablo Escobar, where Vinny Chase played Pablo Escobar, and his best friend slash manager, E, or Eric, was a producer. And they have promised this movie to a, a big-time Hollywood mogul named Harvey Weingard. I wonder who that's supposed to be in <laughs> reference to. I'm guessing Jill Silver. No, Harvey Weinstein. And he's played by, uh, what's his name? Maury Chaikin, who's great. Yeah. Who's great in the movie uh, Bartleby with uh, Christian Glover. He's, and uh, uh, what was the Danny Boyle uh, movie with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz? Uh, really a Lifeless Ordinary. Lifeless Ordinary. He's really good in that. But he plays Harvey Weingard, and he's so good. He was probably... Other than Johnny Drama, my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, he's so good at being this very loud, rude, obnoxious bore of a man that you are, like, terrified of. Uh, but you kind of like uh, <laughs> you like his obnoxious boorishness. There's a scene where he is accused of ordering cranberry juice and is very demanding that he did not order cranberry juice and gets into a tiffle. With the waiter at his bar. <laughs> so you would say that he uh, resembles but is legally distinct from Weinstein Company head <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> who is the hero of many Hollywood stories and the villain of many Hollywood stories. Including the villain of M. Night Shyamalan's story. Because oh, he yes. did not work out well with him being under contract for him and wanting to break away 
to the sixth sense, if you recall from our episode many episodes ago. Yes. So E, being the uh, manager, has been chosen. Like he has to break the news to Harvey that uh, it's not. They're not going to give him distribution rights to the movie. They want to take it to Cannes and put it out in the open market. And they've already screwed over Harvey once before at Sundance when uh, Vince promised to be in some like surfer movie, but there wasn't the script, so he uh, didn't. Uh, he didn't go to Australia to film. Is, is the character of Harvey in other episodes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's in other episodes, and he's in episodes after this as well. After Medellin premieres at Cannes and bombs, and everyone boos it, he, out of spite, buys it from them for one dollar. <laughs> All right, so that's one storyline. Their storyline is to make that movie. They sold their big time fancy L.A. Hollywood mansion and had to move in to Johnny Drama's condo, which is on the cusp. It's on the border of Beverly Hills, but it's not actually Beverly Hills. And Johnny Drama, like so neurotic and high strung, he really wants to be in Beverly Hills. And he has managed to like meet the mayor and has agreed to take the mayor out to try and impress and schmooze the mayor to annex this part of uh, L.A. proper, I guess, into Beverly Hills so he can be he can be 90210. <laughs> Third storyline. Oh, and the mayor's played by the great Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes. And he's really okay. good. And yeah. he, play, he wears like glittery shirts and tries to dress young and hip. And it's funny to see Tobo do such a thing. It is. He's he's really good. He's good always in just about everything he's done. And of course, he is good here as this like kind of uh, older, schlubby, nerdy guy, <laughs> like trying to dress cool, trying to be cool, just want to hang out with movie stars. Let's hope and pretend it's his character from Groundhog Day, and he moved to L.A. and somehow became the mayor, <laughs> and this is his life. Could you edit together every Stephen Tobolowsky performance and make it one movie? Is there a way you could do that? You try to make one whole whole story. People with more time on their hands than us definitely could, or they could at least write an overly analytical uh, internet article about this. No, I want to see an edit. I want to see a 90-minute movie where you just edit together and make it one movie, but his whole life told through all his roles. Wasn't he the guy with amnesia in Memento? Yeah, he was Sammy Jenkins. So that could be the end. You forget his entire life. <laughs> or that could be the beginning, and you work your way backwards as he remembers being the mayor of L.A., being an insurance salesman. And, being uh, a and creepy boss in a uh, single white female. Being a sheriff in Wild Hogs, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the third storyline, and Johnny Drama and Turtle are going to try and get the mayor of Beverly Hills late. The third storyline is about Ari, the agent, played by Jamie Pippen. With a beautiful full head of hair like he always had yes. his entire career. He never fooled anyone with that. <laughs> he is uh, going to be M. Night Shyamalan's agent or shop around his latest script. This part that, that we're really concerned about. <laughs> Ari's talking on his phone to his, uh, his assistant Lloyd, who is a great character. And the only, like, the only gay regular character on the show. And he's like, Lloyd, I see dead people. Why? And he's driving around the cemetery. And Lloyd says, because. 
M. Night Shyamalan's movies have grossed like half a billion dollars worldwide and really talks up Shyamalan's credits. And Shyamalan is there filming an Amex commercial, which he actually did. He did, yeah. We reviewed that last month. Yeah. And so he gives a... Ari says something like he may throw the term slumdog around in there. I don't remember. It's something kind of like, uh, you know, supposed to be like Hollywood agent, kind of semi-offensive. Shyamalan gives him the script and says he'll be by in the morning for his notes. And so Ari has to read the script. And the whole episode is basically everyone's crazy night. So Ari goes out with uh, Mrs. Ari. I can't remember her name because I don't <laughs> think she had one. On IMDb, she is credited, Perry Reeves, the actress, is credited as Mrs. Ar- Mrs. Ari. Does any female character on the show have her name? Uh, Sasha Gray had a name. As Sasha Gray? As Sasha Gray. <laughs> She's so smart for a, like, for a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> She cannot act. Anyway. Anyway. So Ari goes out with Mrs. Ari to fancy dinner. They valet park their car because it's L.A. And they that happens all the time, apparently. Not when I was in L.A. But uh, they get, Ari gets his black Mercedes or, you know, his black luxury car back. And the script was in the trunk. He goes to open the trunk and the script isn't there. It instead is a giant bag of dildos. Yes. <laughs> giant bag as, of dildos. As you do. Which leads to the what I thought was the best line in the show, where he goes through the bag and pulls out the oh, like one of the dildos is a black dildo, and Mrs. Ari's like, well, you care to explain this? And he said, it's not mine. Why would I buy a black cock? <laughs> so he goes back to the he goes back to the restaurant the maitre d' or the, what are they called? The valet says, <laughs> that's how not fancy I am. <laughs> the maitre d's outside parking cars too. He's like, oh man, we're, stuff sucks. I got a multitask. We're I'll really take the trash up. later. <laughs> the valet says like, oh, you should just use like the GPS to drive to that guy's house. Sorry. Drives to that guy's house, which is like way out in some LA town that everyone in California will know where it is and be like, oh shit, that's really far away. <laughs> But I don't know where it is because I live in Texas. He goes out. He pulls up to the guy's house, knocks on the door. A woman opens the door. He's like, hey, we, uh, you were at a restaurant earlier. We got our cars uh, mixed up. And she's like, what? Like, I've been here all night. And just then the other black car pulls up. The guy gets out. Ari runs over, checks for the script. The script is there. Tosses the keys to the other guy and says something like, you have some splaining to do. (laughs) That's not it, but the punchline was to that effect. So he drives back to his office. It's now the morning. He hasn't... Wait, wait, you forgot. He got arrested in between. Oh, right. Because he was speeding because he wanted to go home to read the script because he had to read before the morning. He's speeding. He gets thrown in jail and then is able to slam through the script post-jail. Post-jail. And he's so... uh, it was so such a big concern to get the script back because Shyamalan had put the words Ari Gold on every page of the script. <laughs> so if it leaked out, everyone would know that Ari Gold leaked the new M. Night Shyamalan script. <laughs> so he goes into the office. He's going to lay down on the couch and take a nap. And then who should show up but Mr. M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> 
says like, so like, what'd you think? It's like, oh, it was, you know, it was great. It was great. It's like, Ari, really? That third act was awful. It didn't work. But don't worry. I fixed it last night. Don't worry. And he gives him a new version of the script and then sits in a chair and says, I'll wait here while you read it. <laughs> and so he has to read the script in front of M. Night Shyamalan, the end, as the far end. as we're concerned. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's the end of that story. The M. Night yeah. script is only contained in this episode. Yeah, only contained in this episode. He doesn't become... So is, this, is season four still a good season of Entourage? Season four was when people were starting to get tired of it. How many seasons was it on for? It was on for eight seasons. Good lord, that's a lot! Yeah. So halfway through, I, I mean, I, I actually rather enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, season like four I said, it was breezy. It's really, it moves really fast. It's really, it's just kind of fun. I like all the movie stuff and all the movie references, like all the, it's just kind of like a lot of in-jokes, a lot of just like, it's just fun to kind of go through all these t- stories. That's um, great. If you pay a lot of attention to movies, you know who Harvey Weinstein is. You know how, you know the basic structure of how an agency works. And you know, with Harvey Weinstein, it's fun because you know the stories you've heard of him being kind of a bully or being kind of a target. Him being guy, a bully you know? or like, uh, you yeah. know, some indie, some like indie upstart guy, he'll make his first movie. Harvey Weinstein will see it, buy it, and then say like, well, we have to change all these things. The guy will refuse. And so it will sit on the shelf for like five, five years <laughs> and he won't show it to anybody. But the thing with some of those movies that he has shelved, like Prozac Nation yeah. and Fanboys... And it was like, oh, Harvey Weinstein's like holding these movies back. Like, why won't he let us see the original ending of Fanboys? Why won't he let us see Prozac Nation? Because they're crap. <laughs> they're crap. <laughs> they're crap. Like, with the alternate ending, with the other ending, Fanboys was not good. It was awful. Prozac Nation was so whiny. It was the like typical, <laughs> typical like whiny indie Sundance drama about someone who, like, the the woman that wrote the book, she's about her mental uh, yeah, about her, her problems and dealing with uh, using uh, prescriptions to, you know, balance her out and how that affected her. But in the movie it just comes off like a whiny <laughs> it's a whiny girl who maybe doesn't have real problems like crime or drugs or being really poor. But, so Miramax is not a company more, correct? I don't think so. And there's the Weinstein company. There's a Weinstein company. That's their company. Miramax, Disney kept the Miramax name when the Weinsteins left. And they, after a while, they would throw it on uh, an indie movie or two. Why did they get rid of Why did the Weinsteins sell Miramax to Disney and then start the Weinstein company? So uh, they had Miramax. Disney bought it and basically left them alone. And they imported a lot of the great... Uh, uh, foreign films from the 90s and he uh, supported a lot of the indie filmmakers of the early 90s like Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith. So it was it's a really good thing. Miramax was this yeah, great Miramax thing. is important. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. And then I don't remember what the reason was, what the dispute they had with Disney. Mm-hmm. But they left and they were able to take the Dimension logo. Dimensions, like what, yeah. their horror movie logo. Like all the Wes Craven stuff yeah. was on Dimension, like Scream, and things like that. But Mer- the name Merrimack stayed with Disney, so they formed the Weinstein Company. Who? What is? What does the Weinstein Company make? Do they still work with Tarantino? Like, was Hateful Eight a Weinstein Company movie? I I want to say yes, but I don't remember that logo at the beginning of the movie. What What's the most recent like big Weinstein Company you know movie? 
I honestly don't know, but that logo shows up. It shows up in front of a lot of movies. Not as memorable as the Miramax logo. Like in my head, I can hear the sound of the M, and it turns into things like. Yeah, like it's the like the, uh, the lights of the New York skyline yeah. turn off until it spells, yeah. spells out Miramax. The Weinstein logo is just some triangles form of W. <laughs> yeah, because in the nineties, like when you saw a movie and it had that Miramax thing before, you kind of knew it would be of quality. Mm-hmm. You know, like it felt like, oh, this is the indie movie that. I should yeah, be watching is, right now. It's, like, this uh, is the one that I need to be watching. Like in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, <laughs> uh, Miramax is going to make the uh, Blunt Man Chronic movie, <laughs> which is based on Jane Silent Bob without their permission, so they're going to go stop it. But first they stop off at uh, Holden's, I can't remember his full name, but Ben Affleck's character from Chasing Amy yeah. to find out what the internet is. He tells them <laughs> the internet is a place where people share pornography and bitch about movies. <laughs> and he says, this says Miramax is going to make the movie. And Jay says, because Silent Bob doesn't speak, says, Miramax, I thought they only made classy movies like The Crying Game and The Piano. <laughs> Affleck responds, well, after She's All That, it was down <laughs> Was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back a Miramax film? Yes, it absolutely was. <laughs> and a great film. It was that. a $25 million <laughs> Miramax movie. Wow. Did Miramax do Shakespeare in Love? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that was their big Oscar. Was that their first big, huge Oscar Best Picture win? I want to say no. I feel like English Patient was maybe also a Miramax movie, but I don't know for sure. Okay. It's a very important company. So in watching a TV show like Entourage, where your knowledge of companies like Miramax and personalities like Harvey Weinstein, you're like, oh, I... I know who James Cameron is. I recognize his face. I don't need this dialogue explaining to me who he is. <laughs> I know Gus Van Sant's face. You don't have to tell me who he is. See all that like put to use was like really cool and really rewarding to uh, a movie nerd like me. And I feel this episode is rewarding to Shyamalan fans and people like us who've been going through everything because it kind of hits in, in its real... It makes fun of all these kind of things we've been talking about, especially very much so in what we talked about in the last episode, like so much of sort of the mythology of, around Shyamalan and how he deals with his scripts and everything, which uh, was very heavily in the manhood voices and what we talked about last episode is like parodied in this by him, which shows that Shyamalan does have a sense of humor. He does get how people yeah. uh, think he is. Like he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't actually sit in the office <laughs> himself. He has his assistant like wait outside yeah. for the script to take the script back but in this episode he's sitting he's gonna sit and wait so the guy reads all 200 pages of his new screenplay <laughs> it would be like three hours and and uh, and yeah, in fact he's like i'm shooting my american express commercial in a graveyard and a year before he shot his M- mx commercial and yeah just the whole stuff of you like the whole all the rules of like you know you were gonna like mark the pages of the script and we have this x amount of script you have to read it the night of and my assistant's gonna pick it up the next day all this stuff was real that really happened with lady in the water <laughs> and in this one it's really happening but with Shyamalan being the one giving him the script and picking it up the next day and saying he's gonna quiz him about the script and ask him all these questions <laughs> and i gotta say like i really I've grown to really like Shyamalan as an actor. I actually think he's really good, especially when he's funny. Because I think he is very funny. I think in this he's really funny. I think he's really funny in the mockumentary that we watched. Yeah. 
um, I, in the in the Shyamalan, the secret of very secret of Matt Shyamalan. I, I think when he tries to play the heavy drama, like in his first film, it's not as good. But when he's in that funny cameo or in this or in this, he is good. Like I, I really, he's very ch- he's, he's very likable. He's really funny. And I wonder what it would be like if he was cast in a comedy. He actually is really funny in Split too. I think he's just kind of like a yeah, funny. That's a funny, that's a funny that. enjoyable cameo. <laughs> like you smile when you see him in Split. And uh, yeah, like I kind of hope he does more of that now. Like I hope that in future he puts himself in his things and is in, in his, for comedy. For comedy, I hope that or that he does what Hitchcock eventually started doing, which was I'm in the background of the first scene and now I leave and that's it. See, I think he's better than Hitchcock for act, as acting goes. I think he really can act. I think he does. Like, he's never been a bad actor. Like, I don't think in anything we've seen has his acting been bad. Like, he does a good job. Like, he actually, for an untrained actor, yeah, is good. Like, he is in the, you believe him in the, whatever character he plays. It might be a dumb character. It might be a character that you're like, why is this character in the movie? But I think he always does a good job. I like him especially, like, if we're going to raise acting up until this point, I really liked him in Signs as the kind of the sad guy who killed Mel Gibson's wife. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like a small part, but he's, I think he's really good. And then in this, I think he's really funny. And then, honestly, in Buried Secret of MSN, he's really good because you get a mix of, like, you can't tell in that movie what's actual documentary footage of him interacting with, like, fans or whatever, or him just acting. And he's, I think he's really fun. I think he's, when he's having fun, he's really good. And when he's trying to, like, be emotional, like in the first movie or in Late in the Water, you're just kind of like, eh, it just feels a little heavy-handed. And it's just like, why did you get a real actor for this? But as, com- as comedy, he, I don't know, he nails it. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed him in this. I enjoyed his cameo in Split. His uh, cameos in Six Sense and Unbreakable are fine. You know, that's more of a like, hey, that's the director. But I would much prefer him <clears throat> to do a comedic cameo or a lighter character and not a heavy drama, serious <laughs> character. What's interesting about this, so this was in 2007. Which is hard for any any actor to do. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is true. So this is 2007, so a year before he had the disastrous Lady in the Water happen to him, which was universally hated by most people. It lost Hand, money. Hated, lost money, was kind of like everyone being like, you're done. Then next year, and we'll review this next month, he does The Happening, which is even more hated and more laughed out of the theater and just even less of a moneymaker. Yeah. And it's like really just sort of like everyone being like, oh yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely done. But this is interesting because it's in the middle and it's very self-aware. And I don't know like how much of it was the writers of Entourage or if he brought anything to it, but it really plays a lot into like sort of the mystique of Shyamalan and sort of like kind of the, the, it's really satirical and, and, it's, and it's a good parody of just, what you think he's like or what you've heard of him. And he does it well and he play and he's not afraid to just do it. And like it's it's strange to watch this and be like, oh he gets it. He gets the joke about himself. He understands. He's a good sport and understands sort of like what people think he's become and what it's like to be M Night Shyamalan. But he's not self aware enough to make a better movie than the next many movies he makes. 
after this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's just like he's still he goes from this making fun of himself and then for the happening probably had someone deliver the script and make sure they waited and quizzed them and you know did all these things. And uh, it's just strange to be so self-aware in one hand and the other hand still just kind of be still surrounded by other people who won't actually give them give you their honest opinion that you make things like the happening. Oh, I I don't want to open the can of worms that is the happening right now, but I will tease out that the happening was when I bowed out as a ardent Shyamalan supporter. Like, that was your end. That yeah, was, that end. was it. See, for me, it was halfway through Signs, but I hung in for Lady of the Water. Like, I still rented that one when it came out, and then was like, oh, I'm done. Um, not to not to mean that we're not going to complete this podcast until the end. Absolutely. Because our opinions may change as we go along uh, with Shemelon, or they may not. You will see, dear listener. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of it for this for that this entourage thing. There's really not much to go into. Yeah. Um, just to wrap up the plot. So yeah, Harvey Weingard Weingard is uh, terrifying to E. And Vinny Chase is just there, like, hey, like, don't worry about it. It'll work out, which is all he ever really said or did. Which one is Vinny Chase? He's the main guy. Yeah, the main He's the, main the least guy. interesting guy in the show. He's the least interesting true? character, yes. Because I'm just like, why is this the guy? He's the guy. What was that? Was he? What else was that guy in? Adrian Grenier had. Was he in the OC or something like that? No. He seemed like he was in something that I'm just like, what was that? He was in some. 90s, like Melissa. He was in Drive Har- Me Crazy. Drive Me Crazy. He was in the movie called Harvard Man with Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. Uh, he played the guy that stood next to Leonardo DiCaprio in the Woody Allen movie Celebrity. <laughs> what is he up to now? He made a documentary. I don't know what about, and I don't know what he's been in. <laughs> but his character, like, so yeah, the show's about this movie star. And his friends that uh, get to get to have uh, this cool life because he's a movie star. But he is not the main character of the show. The main character of the show is Kevin Connolly, E, his, uh, the manager. Is that true? Yeah, that's really? absolutely true. Okay. Kevin Connolly's name is the first one that shows up on the credits. Does he spell it the same way I do? Or is he spelled with an E? Ooh, I don't know. Am I related to this guy? Or should I just be like... You could Leave be. Alone and not ask him for money. They're, uh, you know, some somewhere back in the old country, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the he's the main character of the show, and Adrian Grenier, his character is there just to like make situations possible for the other characters, just to put them in these Hollywood parties or get them into. Uh, you know, a situation where they're fighting with the head of Warner Brothers, who they inadvertently, or who Ari inadvertently kills at some point. What? Okay. <laughs> they really want to make Medellin, like, so bad. And the Warner Brothers guys, like, I can't have Aquaman playing uh, the most notorious drug lord ever. And Ari badgers him so much that the head of Warner Brothers has a heart attack and dies on the golf course. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but it's a comedy. 
The only other thing I know about Entourage side story to make this podcast slightly longer. I'm actually impressed of how long we've gone. This is about mm-hmm. as long as some of our earlier episodes, I want to say. Yes. Are we near the 40-minute mark? Yes, we, we have. We're Gosh, yeah. see, look at that. See, you've gotten your money's worth by listening to this podcast. But I remember a story of Jeremy Piven went out to eat at some fancy Hollywood restaurant and then tipped the waiter with an entourage box set. No. And then no. this made news because the waiter was like, fuck you. You owe me an actual real tip. I don't want this bullshit. And then Jeremy Piven was like, what? I thought it was cool. Like, he just... So does that mean Jeremy Piven's driving around with his trunk full of entourage, the complete seasons of entourage box sets and just kind of like carries it in his man purse? Or like, how, how do you have, like, how do you not awkwardly carry in a giant box and this, of eight seasons of entourage and then leave on the middle of, in the middle of the table for your tip? Those HAB DVDs are bulky. They are in like super special box sets. Still, they still are. They fold out and they got like the worst is the curb enthusiasm ones because you have to pull it. It's like one of those like gimmicky birthday cards where you have to pull on the bottom and it raises from the top of the bottom. But I've had a few that get stuck and then you have to like actually rip open the thing and pull it out. And I swear that the price of these sets are because of the packaging. So if you got like an original Sopranos one or six feet under season one, it was like huge, big, bulky, big plastic. Like as thick as a Tolstoy novel. No, you're right. Box I, and you're like, God damn it, it keeps unfolding and it's just like a Rubik's Cube to get out every disc of this of this show. I went to to Walmart to buy a birthday present for a friend of mine in the mid two thousands, because Walmart's the only place to buy anything in my hometown. What is your hometown? That would be uh, the little hamlet of Alice, Texas. I don't even know where that is. I have no idea. Where Not many is. people do, which is why I say I'm from Corpus Christi, <laughs> which at an hour away is the nearest <laughs> recognizable city. But yeah, I can't remember the DVD I bought him, but I looked at the special HBO DVD display, and I remember thinking, Jesus, I'm glad he doesn't want season one of Deadwood, which <laughs> sold for $75. <laughs> It's so, it was so expensive. I don't think there are any more. They've kind of like gone to the normal, like if you bought the original version of The Wire, it was like a big fold out ridiculous thing. But when you buy it now on DVD, it's like the typical slip case where it's like skinny DVD case within a mm-hmm. kind of a bigger rectangle in the DVD. In it. But it used to be this big fold out, yeah. bulky, t- made with a lot of hard plastic sort yeah. of uh, thing. And which is probably why it was like eighty dollars to get Deadwood season two, you know, just like yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but uh, Entourage box set being tipped to the wait staff, and it made news because the waiter was like, "Come on, man!" Like, because it was a Hollywood dinner. I'm guessing it was probably at least a hundred dollar tab, which means you should get what a twenty dollar tip if you're doing twenty uh, percent. Yeah, right. And instead, you get the show that you might not be interested in it at all. Like, yeah, and you don't, like, like, you don't mean, want to you watch could, the complete entourage. And you can probably resell it on eBay for but you more have than to do 20. so much work it's yourself. So much work. Uh, <laughs> but that's with, the only entourage story yeah. I know that he tipped someone once with but, uh, with it. Hell, let's uh, wrap up wrap up the plot of the episode. So eventually, they tell Harvey. Like we're we're taking the movie to can, you're not getting it. He like yells at him from across the restaurant and Harvey like goes insane and has to be carried out by bouncers. 
drama and turtles succeed in introducing Stephen Tobolowsky to a hot lady who he's very interested in. But then the bouncer comes up and says to Johnny Drama, like, hey, look, I got to warn you, man. Your boy's about to suck face with a tranny. Like, Which you what? would not be able to say in a TV show now. No, no you wouldn't. <laughs> and then they go to Tobo, and they're like, this this lady is a transvestite. And he's like, eh, I don't give a shit. It's fine. Yeah. And then cool. Which you is know, fine. He's into it. So and then he's whatever. into it. And then he goes into his limo, like to his kind of the car, car in like, the back alley. But like TMZ films it, and you see him get in the car and kind of try to avoid the paparazzi. And, but then the lady... Gets into the car and you see that it's not a lady, but it's a guy. It's a guy yeah. with a penis. You see your penis. And then all the entourage goes, oh, snap! You know, because they're watching online they're or whatever. And they say, <laughs> yeah, they're watching on TMZ. And Turtle says, like, well, like, I don't think your boy's going to be mayor of Beverly Hills much longer. And Johnny Drama is like, sighs, like, ugh, like, nothing ever works out for me. And then the show ends. What, does it work out for him? Does he get his zip code? Or is no, that kind of the no, end of the story? That's the end of that story. Which is not not cool today. It, it wasn't really cool back then. What, getting a new zip code? Or making fun of someone who's a transvestite? Making fun of the... Uh, well, they're not even transvestites. Trans. They're a transgender person. I'm sorry, I keep saying transvestite. Yeah. I'm a transgender person. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so like, that is definitely the most dated thing in this episode. Yes, is, like, the, the idea... Kind of, like, let's laugh at and be weirded out by this transgender person. Yeah, and then, like, and, the bouncer uh, says something like, the only reason the, uh, the owner lets her in here, or him in here, I can't remember which pronoun they use, like, is because she mentions the place on Howard Stern show to, like, further yeah. distance, like, hey, we don't want anything to do with this transgender person. And, and then why would, uh, <laughs> why would the mayor lose the election based on his certain predilections. Especially like, in Los why? Angeles, you feel yeah. that would be totally fine and people are like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, that's uh, the very... And the, and the character, thing. the transgender character in the movie is just played by a woman as far as I can tell. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I did not it's look up not the, uh, the actress. Person. Anyways, yeah, so that's, that's the thing that kind of dates Entourage. I'm sure there's other things you can tell the show that date it. But it's a very broy show. I feel like you're just gonna feel like you're just hanging out with some white dudes, just a bunch of broy white dudes as they smoke weed and hit yeah. on chicks or whatever, and yeah. have money in Hollywood. And that's it. It was. A- what's the separation from the movie to the show? Like, what what happens? Like, where what's like the difference? Uh, the is there a difference? Is, like, no, is it just the no, show the, stretched out to ninety minutes? It's the show stretched out to ninety minutes. Uh, the best thing about the show about the movie which makes no sense because it's supposed to take place like right after the Entourage movie ends. After the show ends? After the show ends. So the show ends with them flying off on an airplane. They fly off on airplanes and uh, Vince gets married to a girl and E gets married to Sloane, his longtime girlfriend. And happily ever after. But then the movie starts out with them on a boat speeding through like, you know, Diamond Blue Sea. And like, gee, I can't believe Vince's marriage only lasted a week. <laughs> and now he's throwing some awesome party on the yacht. And then his uh, wife now is like nine months pregnant. Though the sh- movie does suppose itself to take place 
right after the series ends when she is not visibly pregnant. Yeah. So they don't, you know, what do you expect? But the best thing about the movie is uh, the quote-unquote villain played by one Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> hey, another Shyamalan. Yes. Is the show is the movie as transphobic as this episode? Not transphobic <laughs> or homophobic, but it is misogynist. Like yeah. they try to do this thing where he and his wife they have a fight and they separate, and someone says something to E like, "You would never uh, like have sex with a girl like, and then not call her afterwards or not get like without knowing her name or something really you know broy and stupid." Mm-hmm. And then he ends up having sex with two different women in the same day without, like, knowing their names or something. And then it turns out the girls know each other and they, like, plot a prank on him where they, like, they tell him, like, oh, we have VD and now you have VD. And then he's like, what? And then they're like, ha, that's what you get for, you know, sleeping with someone without knowing their name. (laughs) And this just makes everyone look bad. It makes those characters look bad. It makes E look bad. It makes the writers look bad. Like this, they thought they were trying to play with the character because E is the one character that would never do something like that. So for the movie, hey, we're going to, you know, Put these characters through uh, through you know through some trials, through some changes, and that's the change they decide to go with. And it's uh, it's really stupid. Uh, Halo Jawsman has a like Texas accent in the movie, which is all right. <laughs> it's cool. The movie it was when I realized that like I'm not young and cool anymore because uh, there's just the cameo scene of this big party where Vince is screening this movie that he directed, where he plays some cyborg DJ revolutionary in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. But then he gets nervous, and he decides not to show the movie, and the camera pans around all the celebrities there, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are, (laughs) except except for Andrew Dice Clay (laughs) and Gary Busey. I know who those guys are. Man, I hope they party together and just playing Gary Busey. What a wild night oh, that would be. God. <laughs> no one left alive. Shudder at the thought. Um, oh, uh, one final little tidbit. My uh, my wife was an extra in the, uh, I think, the first season of Entourage. What? How did that happen? Uh, she lived in L.A. at the time, and they needed extras, and, you know, she went to the, like, the open call for extras, and I don't remember what episode it's in. I think it's at a restaurant, and she's just in the background. Can you see her? Like, Can you noticeably tell that it's her? I, I can't remember. Oh, man, I'm I don't think for that. so. Um, she informed me that all of the men in Entourage are incredibly short. <laughs> As all actors are, except yeah. for Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> <laughs> the giant of Hollywood. <laughs> He crams in his electric car, and he's like, my God, this man's tall. <laughs> well, I was an extra in a Republican-produced film about the guy who invented the 4-H club. Uh, was it called Deep in the Heart? Deep in the Heart? I saw that yes. film. I saw that film at the Austin Film Festival. Oh, well, I was, I was an extra in that. It was directed by Dean Cain's dad, who directed Young Guns, who I believe was devoted to this film. Because he killed a man on the set of Gone Fishing, oh, which he directed. No. Right? Wasn't it the same guy? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being like totally uh, wrong here. But uh, I was in a scene where I sit at a bar, 
And uh, that's it. I sit at a bar and I just kind of sit there. And I did you recognize me when you saw it at the Austin Film Festival? It was me sitting at a bar. I I, I it was, was played before you knew me. Yeah, I was still working at Blockbuster at the time. <laughs> I was working for the I was working for the man. I wasn't working for Empire <laughs> Records yet. Uh, my wife and I we saw that movie because like all the marquee movies at uh, Austin Film Festival were like you know we couldn't get into so like well, let's go to this other movie because it's playing by our by our house yeah and we go and it's so bad it's like so badly made that we're like kind of making fun of it and then at the end when Rick Perry makes a cameo then we realize like oh my god is the guy sitting three rows in front of us that's dressed like the main character of this movie? The real the guy. The real main character of this movie? Is this a true story? It was, and it was. When I saw it, it was introduced by Rick Perry. So I was in the theater, and then Rick Perry showed up, and that was amazing. <laughs> the best part of that movie, to make this podcast even longer, so the main character is played by the great actor John Grise, who's Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. But his son... In the movie is played by D.B. Sweeney, who's probably three years older than John Grice. <laughs> so there's lots of scenes where he's like, Dad, I don't know, Dad. But you're like, that guy's older than the guy who's played his dad. But it's so weird. <laughs> Not a huge hit, that movie. But I was an extra in that. But your, your wife and entourage much more successful yeah. than my uh, filmography. All right. Before this gets <laughs> any longer and we start talking about, I don't know, Herzog movies. <laughs> You can uh, follow us online uh, on Twitter. We're at, at the M Night Shift. Uh, our email is thembnightshift at gmail.com if you want to tell us what you think letter. about it. We're on, uh, I believe iTunes has now changed its name to Apple Podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review us and subscribe if you liked what you hear. If you are still listening to this, if you like this, You'll like everything else, I promise. If you don't like this, then, yeah, you're not going to like anything else. <laughs> yeah. But why would you start with the Entourage episode? How weird would that be? Ooh. Like, oh, I like this podcast. I'm going to start here with Entourage. <laughs> the Entourage episode. Uh, so next month, we're going to do The Happening. That'll be a very exciting episode. Yes. I haven't seen that since we came out. I haven't uh, seen that since the theaters. Uh, so that'll be fun. And we'll do it early on in the month because I'm going to do some intense eye surgery. And I won't be able to watch anything for like eight weeks, which is going to be hell. So I'm going to actually have to start listening to podcasts, which I've never done. So what's good? I don't even know. I'll have to figure it out. The Gilbert Godfrey one I heard is good. I'll do that. Does Bill Nye have a podcast? The Science Guy? Yeah. Yeah, it's called – it's it's a uh, spinoff of Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast, which is called Star Talk. The spinoff is called Star Talk All Stars. I like Bill Nye, so I'll listen to that too. So there you yeah. go. There's my eight weeks. But before then, we'll try to cram in a hap- the happening uh, episode. So, so uh, this is like the third tangent episode we've done. <laughs> so but it had to be. This one, it was necessary. It was, it was. To get your money's worth of like getting at least 45 minutes of a podcast. Yes. We'll try and trim down some of the Miramax talk. Oh boy! But, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're in Austin, Texas, please come visit uh, Vulcan Video with two awesome locations, north and south of the river. So if you're afraid of crossing water, <laughs> like most Austinites are, you can still rent movies. Uh, but if you're visiting town for whatever, if you want to say hi to us, we're at the south locations. So we are at come the south south and say hello. I heard your weird podcast. All right. Well, thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening, and we will see you next month. Goodbye. Shyamalan twist.